Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. This is it, part two of our series called Holiday Survival Guide. Um, this series has that kind of approach to it. We literally thought, okay, if you had a survival guide for how to like live in the woods or, you know, how to, how to survive the zombie apocalypse or how to survive, sometimes that's what your family feels like. So, so, so you, how do you survive something? You need a manual sometimes on how to survive certain things. And one of those things that I find to be sometimes challenging is the holiday season because you are surrounded by people that you typically try to avoid the 11 other months of the year, right? Not, not, not all of your family, but usually like you got one or two crazies or you got, or you got that guy at work at the office party or you got just these family gatherings, these social gatherings, you have these dynamics in play and you're gonna be forced into these social interactions with other people that may be challenging or difficult or whatever. As a matter of fact, I had somebody asked me this week, they said, Todd, what, what, what are we on this week? What are we working on? I said, well, it's part two of Holiday Survival Guide. He goes, what's the point? I said, how do you deal with the difficult, crazy, weird people in your life? And his wife was like, oh, 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 he's talking about Aunt Terry. And I'm like, well, who's Aunt Terry? And he goes, well, she's six foot two, 220, and likes to kiss me on the mouth, and it's just really awkward. I think she has a little bit of a drinking problem, and when we're around her, it's just weird. And so I thought, this series is for Aunt Terry. No, it's for you. So you know how to love Aunt Terry. Because you've got difficult people in your life. And so there's people in your life that, that, especially because of family gatherings, you're actually around some people that bring back heaviness in your life. Like, like because you love people. Have you ever noticed this? Like strangers that have deep emotional issues, they don't really bother you that much. Because you don't know them. But all of a sudden it's like, no, this is my brother. This is my brother-in-law. This is my family. These are my sons and daughters. This is my mom and dad. This is my aunt and uncle. These are, so these relationships get so much heavier because of who they are in your life. And so just, I'm going to warn you today, today might get just a little bit heavy. Last week we talked about the idea of how you judge people because you're going to judge people, right? You're going to make some type of like, you know, response, have a thought, make a comment, whisper something to your spouse. Like, do you believe he just did that? And so you're going to, but how do you do that? And Jesus has some really, really profound words. And the end result is this, is that you want to be someone who judges favorably until you can't anymore. And then even at that point, you want to judge mercifully. If you were not here, it is an absolute essential to the holiday survival guide. Go watch that on YouTube or go pick up a disc in the back or whatever. But today, everybody say today. Today, we're going to talk about something a little bit different. And, and let me set it up by saying this. We, um, we were fortunate enough to buy a house here in the area not too long ago, a few years now. But um, it took us a year in the home buying process. Has anybody ever been there before? Like you look, you look, you search, you search. You, I mean, you went through so many different houses. The realtor spent how many Saturdays? We looked for a year trying to find the right house. And we looked all over Livermore. Then we went to Brentwood, looked all over Brentwood. Then we came back to Livermore. And I, I did something that I'm, I think you do too. So let's just not judge each other because I think you do. It's just one of those things we don't want to admit that we do, but this is what, this is what I do. So when I go to look at a house, obviously the most important thing is the, is the house, right? You're like, okay, how's the house? How's it taken care of? How's the yard? But I would do something that I think if, even if you don't do, you, sh- you maybe should do, even though it's a little weird. What you have to do is, is you have to examine your neighbors, okay? So what you do is you got to go over to the fence and just glance, make sure nobody's in the backyard. But then you want to climb up that fence and really examine your neighbors, okay? 
Don't judge me. You do this too, or you ought to do this, okay? And because and, and, what you want to know is, who am I going to be living with, right? Because like, and somebody made this statement to me not too long ago, and they, it was a really profound statement. I was like, that's really wise. And they, what they said was this, I'd rather pick the neighborhood over the house because I can change what's up with that house, but I can't change them crazy people. And so what you do is, is you're examining, because how many of you know like, that we have like different categories of, of weird neighbors, right? So you got like crazy cat lady, just, you know, 20, 30 cat. And you won't have like a rat issue probably, but you're going to have cats everywhere. You got, um, you, you ever seen like weird gargoyle guy? You got a gargoyle for everything? Um, r- r- redneck guy? Redneck guy where the car is in the yard and then the grass is really kind of bigger than the car. It's almost like he's got a duck blind in his front yard. You really just get into a car is all that really is. Um, and the car don't move. It might be on blocks. It might flat tires at least anyway. So you got all these, you got crazy party people. Like if you look over and there's just beer cans and liquor bottles everywhere, just be prepared. You, you just moved into party central. There's some party people and they're going to be up at 1 a.m. And some woman's going to be dancing on the outdoor table, screaming and hooting and all that good stuff. So just be prepared. There's all kinds of weird people. There's um, my, my, my friends got this. He had weird hoarder guy. The hoarder neighbor. Does anybody, if this is you, we're sorry. We're not trying to make fun of nobody. You should clean up your yard, though. If you got that truck in the front yard and the grass is bigger than the truck, go get the truck. Get it out. You're bugging your neighbors. So, but, but weird hoarder guy is the guy that literally just does not throw anything away and his yard is full of everything. So, so, and the reason why this is important is because you are living life with these people. And so it's so important. This is why fences are so important, isn't it? Because you need some boundaries to protect you from crazy cat lady, weird gargoyle guy, from redneck guy. Because like, depending on the neighborhood, you could easily have five houses connected to you, right? Everybody say boundaries. This is my, my point is, is that you might have a home, but you need to make sure, number one, who it is that you're living life with. And number two, that you've got some proper fences and proper boundaries to protect you from these crazy nutty people. And today I want to talk to you about these these ideas of boundaries, because there's this idea in Christianity that you ought to love everybody, right? And that's a true idea. You can't avoid that. Like the law of Christ, Jesus said, this new command I give to you. Now, why would he say it's a new command? Because it's new. You know what the old command was? The old command was already love God and love your neighbor as yourself, right? Which seems totally radical. Jesus really loved my neighbor as myself. Have you seen him? Have you seen her, really? But then Jesus says, I'm going to give you a new, or I'm just going to make it even crazier. I want you to love people as I have loved you, which was perfect. So he was saying, I want you to try to your greatest extent to have perfect love for people. But everybody say, but. Today we want to talk about this idea of boundaries because I want you to be able to love people freely, but I also think that you have to love people wisely. And there's a difference. And Jesus even kind of demonstrates this. And the Bible teaches these ideas of like, you can love people, but sometimes you need a long distance relationship. You can love people, but sometimes there needs to be some distance. You can love people, but there needs to be some boundaries. Now, here are the two types of people that you typically are going to need boundaries for. You ready? Number one is this. This is just your out of control people. Okay, this is crazy Aunt Terry or Uncle Terry or whatever that was. Six foot two wants to kiss you on the mouth. Okay, that's a little out of control. Crossing some lines, Aunt Terry, stop it. So if you're out of control, what I mean is that normally your, your life is out of control. Either you're just wild, um, you don't have a filter, 
You know what I'm talking about? Like the filter between like what you think and what you say, there's nothing. It's just right out. You're out of control with your mouth or you're just out of control with your life. And many times when we talk about being out of control, we talk about people that literally have an addiction to something. Their life is out of control because it's being controlled by something else. They have a gambling addiction. They have a substance addiction. They have an alcohol addiction. They have something that is driving their life. And when people live out of control lives, this is inevitable, this is what happens, is their craziness spills out of their life and just starts falling on anybody in close proximity. And it's not even personal, it's just that you were close to them, and then because of that, it just fell off onto you. So the other type of person, though, because there's out-of-control people, then there's, there's over-controlling people. These are the people that want to get into your life and control your life. You ever, you ever had people like that before? Don't look at anybody. Don't, don't be like, don't. I should have warned you, like, no, this is not an elbow. <laughs> you. Don't, don't be like that today. Um, go listen to part one before you. Anyway, over-controlling people. Over-controlling people are people that want to dictate your time, dictate who you are, dictate your future, and control everything in your life. And typically, they do this. Sometimes they just do it by force. If you don't do what I want, I'm just going to get mad. If you don't do what I want, I'm going to punish you. If you don't do what I want, I'm just going to get angry at you. Many times it's, if you don't do what I want, then, then I'll just manipulate. I'll get a little passive aggressive. I'll lay a nice, thick guilt trip right on you. Does anybody have, like, like anybody in their life, they have like a PhD in guilt tripping? Like just, it's a little bit of a generational thing, I think. I think there was something, you know, in, in prior generations where like it just normalized behavior but it was something where you could just easily put a guilt trip on somebody. And it was basically, guilt trips are in essence this. I'm going to make you feel bad. And hopefully if I make you feel bad enough, you'll do what I want you to do. And just so you know, this is really, really bad behavior. Okay, so if you're out there and you have an issue with guilt trips, stop it. Because when you read, go read the life of Jesus. Never once do you see Jesus laying a guilt trip on anybody because guilt is a terrible motivator. I'll leave it at that. And so here's the deal though. There are people in your life that are either over controlling or out of control, and you're going to need to put some boundaries around your life to help you love these people. Why? Because I want you to love them. I just want you to love them wisely. Now boundaries, now this is what, so as we get further, we'll kind of see how this shakes out. Boundaries ultimately says, this is mine and that is yours. Isn't that in essence what a boundary is? Like if you put a fence Okay, that, that's inside my fence. This is mine, but here's the boundary, and over there is you, and that's your stuff. So this is mine, and that is yours, and that is how boundaries work. Now, here's the thing, though. I'm just going to prepare you. As soon as you start creating boundaries with the out-of-control people or the over-controlling people, I need to prepare you because it stirs something up in people, okay? So like that whole guilt trip and manipulator and that, that whole thing, like as soon as you start to set boundaries, this is some of the stuff you're going to hear. Are you ready? Especially the guilt trip. Are you? Well, if you really love me, well, maybe I'm, after I'm dead and gone, you'll be sorry. Man, dang. Whew. Um, you have no idea how much I sacrificed for you. How can you abandon the family like this? Do you know how long I was in labor with you? Anyway. I'm sorry, mom. I love you. I'm sorry. My, my mom's not like this. So there's all these ways that like, I just want you to know, like people are going to flash on you when you start creating boundaries. I just need you to be prepared for it. And, and then like, just so you know, there's not just that level of guilt, but because you're a Christian, you might 
experience some like Christian guilt. And, and you know what's so funny is, is I find is that many times the people that are giving me Christian guilt aren't even Christians. They just know that I'm a Christian. And so they're, they're trying to play that card on me like as if they could play the Jesus card and that would trump my boundary. And they would say, well, this is because it's, well, how can you call yourself a Christian? You ever, I feel like y'all heard this stuff before. I thought Christians were supposed to Oh, you just, you just fill in the book. Well, doesn't the Bible say, man, look, you ain't never read the Bible in your life. Quit trying to tell me what the Bible's, okay? But they do. So I just, want you, I just want you to be prepared. There's a backlash coming. There's something coming because you are going to hopefully step into something as I have help you prepare for the holiday seasons and help you peer, uh, uh, really prepare for dysfunctional, weird, funky, out of control or over control people. The key is that you're gonna have to establish some boundaries, but there will be a backlash. But I want you to know boundaries are incredibly biblical, Check this out. As a matter of fact, let's read a few scriptures here just so you can say, okay, Todd's not lost his mind yet. Number, number one is this. Proverbs 4.23 says this. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Oh, and I want you to think about this. This is from the book of Proverbs. You know what this is? This is nougat after, after yummy nougat of wisdom from the, the smartest man who ever lived. So Solomon just has a collection of all these gems and nuggets and jewels of wisdom. And think about this. He's like, there's a lot of brilliant stuff in this book. But above them all, this is, I want you to see how important this is. So whenever you hear the Bible and the Bible's going along and then you hear something like, above all else, you're like, whoa, whoa, I thought it was all holy. It is. It's all holy. It's all inspired. But some things are more important than other things is what Solomon's saying. And what he's saying is this, is above all else, guard your heart for everything flows from it. Because if you can't guard your own heart, nothing else will work in your life. So even if you tried to do all the other things well, if you didn't guard your heart and start there, nothing else is actually going to work in your life. And so to guard your heart simply means this. What would you do if I said you got something valuable and you need to guard it? What would you do? Man, you'd get a fence. You'd get a dog. You'd get a security system. You'd get a Glock 17. You'd do whatever it takes because some things are just important and they're worth protecting. And so what, what Solomon's saying is like you have a heart your God connector, the essence of who you are, and you need to create boundaries around it so you can protect your heart from toxic things and sometimes toxic people. Here's another one. This is Psalms 1, verse 1. This is David speaking. He said, blessed is the one. This word blessed just means happy. It's the Hebrew word for happy. He goes, blessed or happy is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked nor stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of, of mockers. What he was saying was this, is that you need to have some type of boundary when it comes to people. There are certain people I don't roll with, certain people I don't hang out with, there are certain people I don't spend time with, there are certain places and environments that I don't go to. Why? It's just not wise. And by the way, if I'll create some healthy boundaries, I'll be a happier person. Here's one more. This is the Apostle Paul talking to a young pastor. Listen to what he says. He says, warn a divisive person once. What's a divisive person? Just somebody that's trying to create drama and havoc and mess. And I mean, they're, they're divisive on purpose. They're trying to set you against others and you against your convictions and you against them. All kinds of weird things you could go there. But he goes, warn a divisive person once. Well, I mean, we're merciful people like warn them. So warn them again. But then after that, at some point, you're like, enough is enough. At some point, I can't allow this relationship to continue in this way I need to create a good, healthy boundary. And just so you know, Jesus lived like this. If you look at the life of Jesus, you can see some similarities too because Jesus took personal time. Jesus took time to rest. 
Jesus took time to pray. Jesus took time to separate himself and to go be with God. As a matter of fact, in Mark chapter 1, there's this story where during the day, he's helping and healing people. And so the next morning, the disciples go looking for him. They're like, we can't find him. Well, they finally end up discovering where he is. He's hidden and tucked away, praying and spending time with God. And they're like, hey, all these people, like bunches of them, more of them have come back. And they're all looking for you, demanding your time. And you know what he said? He said, no. He said, I am supposed to go to the next city because that is the purpose my father has given me. You know what that shows you? Is that Jesus wasn't going to let other people manipulate or dictate his time. He was not going to be just needs driven. He was going to be purpose driven. I want you to get get a glimpse of these ideas that you can establish good boundaries and still love people. You can establish good boundaries and it'll make you happier. It'll establish some boundaries in your life that will set you up for success. And, and, and what you'll see by the end of the day is this, is your boundaries will actually help those weird, crazy, dysfunctional, out of control or over controlling or six foot 220 and want to kiss you on the mouth. So here's, here's, here's one, again, let me, let me, let me dig down deeper here. Let's talk about boundaries and I'm going to talk about how, how that actually works and some specific things you need to do to establish some, some wise boundaries. When I talk about boundaries, everybody say this. Everybody say, this is mine and, and that is yours. There's a boundary that, that basically begins to help us understand what's, what it is that we're responsible for and what it is that they're responsible for. Let me, let me give you some examples here. Number one is this. It's is like there's some of you out there, especially you ladies that need to create a boundary when it comes to your physical body. You, at some point, you need to say, this is my body, you can't touch that. Does that make sense? Like, this is my body, you can't do that to me. This is, this is my body, this is mine, you can't do that. Here's another thought, like, this is my time. Like, some of you have those people want to control your time, demand your time, manipulate you, or guilt you if, they don't, if you don't get the time that they want. And they're like, you need to say, look, this is my time, you can't demand that. Because it's my time. I don't know if you know this or not, but it's my time, that's your time, and there's a boundary, and you can't just dictate my time. Here's another, hey, this is my self-worth, right? You can't demean that. This is who I am. I'm a child of God, Jesus loves me, and you can't talk to me that way, you can't demean me. Hey, here, here's another one. Um, parents, if you got a kid like this, you got some crazy people in your life, like, this is my money, <laughs> you can't steal that. <laughs> like, this is mine, and that is yours. Sometimes it's the opposite though. Sometimes you're not dictating just what is yours to other people. Sometimes you're dictating to other people what is theirs. Like sometimes you need to say, look, that's your anger issue. <laughs> okay? You can keep that over there. That's yours. That's not mine. I'm not gonna let you hit me or talk to me like that or treat me like that or roll like that. That's not where you're at. Hey, that's your bitterness. That's yours to manage. That's yours to take responsibility for. Hey, look, here's some of y'all listen that have an addict in your life. You're like, that's your addiction. It's not my fault. It's not my responsibility. I will help you and love you to the degree that I can, but that is yours. That's your responsibility. See, what happens is, is that sometimes when we don't establish boundaries, and this is so huge for parents, when we don't establish boundaries, what we end up doing is uprooting the sowing and reaping process. You guys know what sowing and reaping is, right? It's cause and effect. If I do this, this comes back in my life. If I this has the cause, this has the consequence coming back. And see, what happens is that sometimes, like as parents, this is so important that you do this even as an early age. Um, like, you should always save your kids and rescue your kids from like immediate danger and harm. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, let them, let them stick things in the electrical socket and use wisdom here. But what I'm saying is, is, even as kids, you have to let kids learn the hard way. Sometimes you have to let kids fall. Sometimes you have to let kids like actually take 
in some type of repercussion for their actions. Because, and, and here's why, is if you keep saving them when they're little, okay, it's not that big of a deal until all of a sudden you're saving them as teenagers and you keep on saving and rescuing them. And see, here's the problem. When you save them when they're young, you're saving them from fairly minor issues. But the deal is, is that you keep uprooting the sowing and reaping process. They never learn consequences and responsibility. And then ha what happens is by the time they get adults, they've been enabled or pampered or rescued and saved so many times that now the consequences for their actions, you can't even save them from those. They're too big now. But they weren't prepared. So at some point you need to like, just go ahead and say, hey, no, no, th them are your toys. <laughs> you can pick them up. I'm not going to clean up after you your whole life because here's what happens. Then you end up with that dude up in your basement that, does that make sense? That won't go get a job and still expects you to do his laundry. No, 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 no. That's your laundry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so, so just be, that's all I'm saying. Just like, be careful because what you do when the, in the early informative years, that stuff takes root. Don't uproot the sowing and, and, and reaping process. Matter of fact, if you want to, this is my personal belief, that actually consequences and responsibility make strong people. If you, if you really just look at it, like people that learn to take on more, take on responsibility, they know how to take a hit when they make a mistake and then rebound from it. That makes strong people. And I, 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 I bet I know this in your heart. You want your children to grow up to be strong people. So just be aware that like this is the idea of establishing boundaries, creating what's theirs and what's yours and how that's going to work in your family and your relationships and letting sometimes the boundaries just speak for themselves. So Here's what you need to know. There's three things that you need for dysfunctional people in your life. Are you ready? Three things that are so important that you need. Number one is this, physical distance. Sometimes that's just needed. I want you to know, like I said, you can love people from a distance. Sometimes physical distance is the most loving thing that you can do. Sometimes discipline is the most loving thing that you can do. Sometimes like separating yourself, sometimes letting people reap their own consequences. That is sometimes the most loving thing that can take place. And the Bible says as much. As a matter of fact, that's why the Bible says that God disciplines those he loves. Like he loves you so he disciplines you. He loves you so he does allow consequences to hit your life. Because if he rescued from everything, it would in, in essence make you a weak person of low moral character. And so God's like, no, no, no. Sometimes you just got to fall and learn how to pick yourself. That's why the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times and keeps getting back up. Well, the fact is he fell <laughs> a bunch. So learn to fall and, and learn to get back up. That's good. That's healthy. And so sometimes though you need physical distance. Let me prove it to you. So, so Solomon said this as well. And so in the book of Proverbs, it says this. It says, he who walks to the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools is destroyed. So what he was saying was, is just by proximity, just by physical distance, if you hang out with wise people and you get good proximity, you get wiser. Their life rubs off on you. You pick up on things. You notice things. You observe things. It just challenges you to rise to a higher level of life. But the, the, the opposite is true in the sense that if you hang out with foolish people, your life is destroyed simply by what? Proximity, by physical space. And so Solomon says, hey, be careful of who you roll with in life. The Apostle Paul says it in a, in a different way, but same principle. He says this in the book of Corinthians. He says, do not. Be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what fellowship does light have with darkness? And he goes on to explain it, but he's basically saying this, to yoke your life to another person means to do life together. That's physical proximity. And so he's saying this, like don't hitch your wagon to people who don't share your beliefs, your values, and are going in the same direction. If you do that, then you're going to be ultimately pulled down and drawn into 
the darkness. So like you need some physical distance. At some point, this is what I mean by this. At some point, like you're going to be in a conversation where you need to stop and you need to say something like this. Um, if you keep talking to me that way, I'm going to leave the room. It, it could be like, if you keep treating me this way, I'm going to leave the house. It could be that you say, hey, if this is the way that it's going to work, I think it might be that we need some space in our friendship. Like, like I, you, you got to figure out what that is. But there needs to be some level of physical space. And this is where you know, like, sometimes, like, you've got that dis, uh, dysfunctional person in your life. The best thing that you can do is for you to dictate when and where. Does that make sense? So if you've got that heavy, dysfunctional person in your life, and all of a sudden you're like, I need to love them from a distance. There's too much funkiness. There's... The, the, the yoke is spoiled, like this is not good. Then at some point, how do you keep loving? How do you keep engaging? Because I want you to love them and I want you to engage them. I just don't want you to yoke your life to them. What I'm saying is this, is at some point you dictate when and you dictate where so that there's healthiness in that relationship. Number two is this, and this is the harder one. Sometimes physical, like sometimes just so you know, physical distance, sometimes it is godly and good to get a restraining order. Can I get an amen out there, somebody? So, Emotional distance is harder, though, because it's harder to quantify. Like, I can actually, like, if, if I give you a restraining order, I think they put, like, a, a distance on that. Like, there's a certain number of yards and feet and, <laughs> and miles, you know, whatever it is. Like, I can, I can measure that. Emotional distance is harder. It, it, it's more challenging to, to manage the emotional loadedness of the relationship. And this is where, again, we get into people that have emotional control over you or people that typically will manipulate you or guilt you or, or use their words to like make you feel a certain way so that they can get you to do what they want you to do. As a matter of fact, I had somebody come to me just recently and they were like, I got this family gathering, Todd. I got to go on this trip. And I know when I'm on this trip, we're all together. There's a cabin, there's this and that. And, that, and they're going to want me to go here. What do I do? And one of the greatest things that you can do is just make a pre-decision. What am I willing to do? What am I not willing to do? You know what that is? That's a boundary, Right? This is, this, is, this is my yard, my responsibility. This is what I'm willing to say or do, but this is what I'm not willing to say or willing to do. And that becomes the boundary. So when you make a predecision, in that moment that they give you that guilt trip, you don't have to get emotionally engaged, emotionally involved and begin to play the games. Because here's the deal. One of the best things that, that you can learn to do when it comes to like emotionally controlling people, this is like, I'm gonna give you a, are y'all ready? Somebody needs to write this down. Everybody's saying no. That's what I wanted you to write down. This is what you say to people that are emotionally controlling. You say no. Or if you want to be nice, which you should be, everybody say no thank you. No thank you. Or, or, no, I'm sorry, that doesn't work for me. And then stop talking. If you keep talking, then this is you engaging back into the game. So you don't engage in the game. You say no thank you. And then you're quiet. You're silent. Maybe you even walk away. No, thank you. I'm sorry. No, no, I promise. No, thank you. I'm warning one. No, 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 that's okay. No, 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 thank you. No, I'm sorry. That doesn't work for me. You know what? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little break here. And you just walk away. So like, everybody say no. As, as a matter of fact, like, this is, this is like stuff you would find in a psychology class. But like, look what Jesus said. Jesus is brilliant. Matthew 5, 37 says this. Let your yes mean yes. And your no mean no. My name is no. My name is no. Anything more than this comes from what? The evil one. 
So what he was saying was this, is that when you engage in like emotional, uh, emotional games and playing the manipulation game and playing the word game and getting all that, he's like, you're, you're, you're getting caught up into something that ultimately is evil or it's never, it's never gonna turn out the way you want it to. It's never gonna go. You, have you ever argued your way into a manipulative person's life and then be like, you know what? You're totally right. I was wrong. I'm sorry about that. You ever had that happen? No, of course not. You're never going to win that argument. You just say no and you walk away so that you don't engage and play the game. That's how you create emotional distance. Now, now here's the deal. You know that you have emotional distance. This is because some people ask me, this, like, well, how do I know or how do I do that? It's such a fine line because I want you to love people. I really, really do. Jesus commands that we love people. But unconditional love does not mean unconditional access. Let me say it again. Unconditional love does not mean unconditional access. It doesn't mean I, let, I get to be a doormat and let you take or let you have every part of my life or let you dictate all of my time or dictate how I feel about myself. That's not how this works. Unconditional love does not mean unconditional access. And this is how you know you have emo, that emotional balance. And this is gonna sound, you, you, please walk me through this. This is how you know. When basically you can look at what they do and what they say and not care. But at the same time, still care about them. Because they're going to say some things that are going to just absolutely floor you. They're going to enrage you. They're going to make you mad. I can't believe he did that. I can't believe she said that. I can't believe that went down. I can't believe they did that to me. At some point, when you have emotional distance, when you recognize that's a dysfunctional person, I need some physical distance, I need some emotional distance, it means this, I don't even care. If Aunt Terry kisses me on the mouth, I'm a, okay, no. I'm going to warn her once. I'm going to warn her twice. Not, and, but, it, but if she's in your life or if he's in your life or that's how that's going down, at, at some point you put that boundary in there. It's like, I don't even care what you do. I don't care what you say. You can call me the worst names in the world. You can tell everybody that I'm a terrible, I, I don't even care. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you say. And I cannot care about what you do or say, but yet at the same time still care about you as a person. That's that fine, thin line of emotional balance where you have emotional distance, but you are still able to fulfill, fulfill the love of Christ. Let, let's keep going with this. Number three is this. So not only do you need physical distance, you need emotional distance, but you need some realistic expectations. Like, like this is what I get sometimes. Like, I can't believe they did this again. And every year on my birthday, every Christmas, Todd, this happens every single time. Y'all are laughing because you're like, oh, I know how that goes. Like every time. See, at some point, you need some realistic expectations like you need to like you ever had that person in your life that's just late to everything that might that might be you but most of y'all laughing so y'all must be on-time people um you ever have people that are just late to everything in life and then like you're like hey we're gonna leave at seven okay be here so we can leave on time they roll in at 7 30 and you're so angry and you're so mad and you're like i can't believe they did this again why this is their pattern this is who they are. This is who they've always been. She's always been a manipulator. He's always like, she's always no filter. She, they're always dysfunctional. He's had that addiction for 30 freaking years. Here, here's what realistic expectations is because here's what you want to do. This is the beauty of, of trying to balance this out is I want you to be able to lower your expectations without lowering your hope. Let me say that again. I want you to lower your expectations without lowering your hope. That is the key. Now, here's what that actually looks like though. Do we believe that God can do the miraculous? 
Do we believe that they can change? Do we believe it's possible? Do we believe that they can turn it around? Do we believe good things can happen in their life? Yes. Do we want God to do a miracle in their life? Do we want good things for them? Absolutely yes. So we're hoping, right? I hope. I hope. But I mean, if we went to Vegas and then somebody demanded I put $100 down on whether he's going to be late again, where's my money going? He's going to be late. That's what I mean. Like, if I was a betting man, I'm betting she's going to do something crazy this Christmas. I'm betting he's going to do that. I'm betting that that addiction is going to spill out again. I'm be- it doesn't mean I hope. I'm hoping beyond hope. I'm praying and believing. But bless God, if they show up 30 minutes late, it will not shock me. And in light of that, I will not get angry and mad and then judge them harshly and then lose my peace and my happiness. Can I get a what what out there? So I need, to, I need to lower my expectations without lowering my hope. I need to have realistic expectations. It's not what I hope. It's just if I had to put money on it. If we were playing odds maker, I'm like, okay, it's 80-20 here. It's going to happen, right? That's, that's what I'm talking about. So when we have physical distance, when we have emotional distance, and then when we have realistic expectations, now we have healthy boundaries. Now when they come into my life, I can prepare myself. Okay, this, this, this is very possible. So this is what we would do. Like, babe, okay, just remember, if we're going to hang out with them. There's a good chance they're going to say this or do this. And you know what? It's all good. We're cool. We're prepared for that. That's the, now, I hope it doesn't go that way, but that's the way it is. And if it goes down that way, we're not going to get upset. We're not going to lose our peace and our joy. We're not going to wild out. I'm not going to give them the what for and throw my whatever on them. Or I'm, I'm not going to do that. And if necessary, we will say no and we will exit peacefully. Does that make sense? Are you seeing it now? This is how I keep people from controlling my life and me losing my peace and joy. Last scripture, and we'll kind of close on this. Galatians chapter six does something that's so profound. It seems duplicitous, but it's brilliant. Um, Galatians chapter six says this. Paul says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what was the law of Christ? It was to love people the way I have loved you. That was the law of Christ. So he's saying, carry each other's burdens. Now that appears to contradict everything I just said. You're like, Todd, you wasted 30 minutes of my life. Show me one scripture that contradicted everything you said. No, no, no. Watch. Like I said, it looks duplicitous. It's brilliant. If anyone thinks there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. So the idea of burdens is catastrophes. Really, it's for the things that people cannot carry on their own. Like, Like if somebody is, everything in their life is on point and they're serving God and all of a sudden like, major sickness hits their life. That's a catastrophe. It wasn't something they caused. That wasn't like their dumb mistakes and bad behavior brought that in their life. It's just a, like if everything's going great and they're doing everything right and they lose their job because of layoffs, that's a catastrophe. That's, that's a heavy burden. And he was saying every, everywhere that you can, that you see somebody that cannot carry their own load and it's too heavy and a catastrophe has hit their life, Go be loving, go be generous, go pick up the slack, go do everything you possibly can within your means and within your power. And the reason why he says, if anyone thinks there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. What he was saying was this, and don't think this couldn't happen to to you or to anybody else. This isn't like, oh, look what they did. No, no, no. If a catastrophe hits their life, let's be merciful. Each one should test their own actions. This is really you saying I should take responsibility for, for my junk. So what am I responsible for here? Then they can take pride. This is a good kind of pride. Like when you do a great job and you're like, man, I'm proud of myself. I nailed that. I got the A. I did whatever. He was saying, then you can take pride or they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Last verse, for each one should carry their own what? So if we took the first verse, it said you should carry 
each other's what? Burdens. But then at the end, he goes, but everybody ought to carry their own load. You know what the load was? It was just your personal responsibility. It was, like, it was like if a burden could be described, it would be like a boulder. It would be something like just too big. It was a catastrophe. Like nobody should carry that on their own. No, Everybody should have a family of faith, come around them, believe, support, pray, help, do whatever they can. But like this isn't a boulder. This is your backpack. This is like, I remember um, Shane, my buddy Shane was telling me how he would go through the airport. And this one time he saw, he saw a man and he was on his phone. I won't tell you what country he was in because I don't want us to judge those people. But he was in a country and he said that the dude was on his phone and the woman had like the whole, you know, the, like the cart that you put all the luggage on and she's pushing it. She's pregnant. And then she got them two kids like strapped with the like, you know, the leash thing because your kids are really crazy and won't stay put. And he goes, I was like, oh, my Lord, have mercy. I can't believe. I, he goes, I almost wanted to go over and like, give me that. Let, let me do it. He goes, I saw the guy just going down, doing this on his phone, and the pregnant woman's pushing the thing with the kids. And I'm like, oh, my God. Dude, you're tripping. Pick up the luggage. Does that make sense? Like, carry your own load. If it's your personal responsibility, that's yours to carry. That's where healthy boundaries come in. They come in and say, hey, this is yours. This is mine. This is how the relationship's going to work. You can carry your own backpack. You can do your own laundry. No, no, no. Those are your consequences. You're going to have to figure that out. No, them are your bills. You're going to have to figure out how to pay that. I, I, I can't rescue you. It's time for you to put on your big boy pants and figure that stuff out. That's your load. Now, if catastrophe hits, we help. But when people just don't take response, because this is the old saying in counseling that, that I have to deal with all the time, is I cannot help people that need help. I can't. Because I'd help every one of you. I can't help people that need help. I can only help people that want help. Those are the only people I can help in life. And those are people that are willing to carry their own load. So in summary, I will help those who cannot help themselves. I will not help those who will not help themselves. I will carry people's burdens, but I will not carry their load. Let's pray this morning. So God, I pray that as we take this message, we wrestle with it and we think and we, we ask for your guidance and Holy Spirit, we pray that you would bring things to our, our thoughts and our memories, God. And God, help us to love people with all that we have and all that it was in us, but help us to love wisely, to actually do the thing that is best for their future, to do the thing that's best for the relationship, to do the best thing, God, that, that, that is, is so in line with your wisdom that sets them up for success and still protects my peace and my joy. God, help us to be people of incredible love and incredible mercy, but when the time is needed, God, give us the wisdom to create space, whether it's physical or emotional or whether it's in how we just look at other people and judge other people with a pure and merciful heart. God, help us. God, help us to be a people who love wisely. That's our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can we have the Lord a big hand clap today? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv. 